growing. We're growing, aren't we growing? Isn't that exciting? You know, three years ago, there was like 25 people in here, 30 people. So that's so exciting. We're actually, I'll add this, we're actually getting drawings. Our architect is um, getting some drawings together to expand our vestibule to be about three or four times bigger than it is so that we can, um, if, if any you know, baby, people with babies want to be able to sit in the vestibule and they'll be able to watch the service and hear it as well. And then also we're having them draw up, um, knocking out this wall and going halfway through the courtyard. And then the other half of the courtyard would be a, um, a, a teenage room uh, for the fours, like a whole with pool tables and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you know what? And God just told me something. We already have the money to pay for it. It, It's just in your bank accounts. So, (laughs) oh, Lord, am I funny? Thank you, Jesus, for a sense of humor. Y'all got excited. Oh, we got the money. Oh, it's in my bank account. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, that was so funny. Okay, let's see if I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so we're on a series called what? It's one word. Grace. It's grace, and I'm preaching it until I am 100% sure, and you are 100% sure, that every person in our church is going to heaven when they die. I want to, I want to travel galaxies with all of you. I want to sit down and... And, and spend um, um, years and years and years hearing from David and the Apostle Paul. And I want you to be there with me and your other family members who are saved. Um, I want everyone to go to heaven. So we're preaching grace until we're sure of that. And we're going to keep on going until everybody in this church is saved. Ephesians 2.8 is our memory verse. I want you to read it. Good and strong, ready, read. For by free grace, it was nothing. You got to go up on the works, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You got to do it with enthusiasm. Anyway, so uh, let me tell you what that last little phrase is. Nobody's going to be boasting in heaven. Nobody in heaven is going to say, I'm here because I kept the faith. You understand? No one in heaven is going to say, I'm here because I just served God with my whole heart all my life. Nobody's going to boast in heaven. There is no boasting in heaven. It is a gift from God. So uh, you got your handouts in front of you. I want to go over what grace is. Grace is... The unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. Unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. And here's what grace does. Grace does this. It enables us. Everybody say enables. It enables us to live as fruitful Christians. It enables us to obey God. It enables us. It gives us the ability to obey God. It gives us the ability. Ability, ability. So... Today in part three, I want to talk to you about, remember the beginning of every title starts with amazing, because the last week, whenever that'll be, we're going to preach on amazing grace. So uh, today is amazing righteousness. Amazing righteousness. Um, Let me tell you why why understanding righteousness is so vitally important. Because there are people who get re-saved after they've done something wrong in their life. There are people who feel like they need to go down the altar every time there's a call to salvation just to make sure that they're still saved. And the reason they feel this way is because they don't understand righteousness. Righteousness um, is, is a free gift that comes with grace. Because you know, you know when they say, you know, call now, if you, if you add $20, you know, we'll throw in this extra blender and that kind of thing. But when you get saved, grace doesn't just save you. Grace sustains your salvation. 
The sustaining grace of God would be righteousness. The sustaining grace of God. Um, uh, the reason sometimes we feel like, you know, you know, I got saved and I backslid and I stopped going to church or I did something horrible I never thought I'd do or I looked at something I shouldn't look at so I need to get resaved. It's because you don't understand the power of righteousness. It's because um, you think, it's so funny, we know that we know that we know we didn't do anything to get saved. We simply received it, right? It's so funny. You don't have to do anything to stay saved. <laughs> Salvation is not put a down payment on a home, you know, and, you put out, and then you got to keep on paying for it the rest of your life. No, salvation is free, and staying saved is free. Uh, Romans 5.17 says those who receive God's grace, and here's what you get with it. You get a lot of stuff with it. You don't just get saved. You get to stay saved. Um, and the free gift of righteousness or right standing with God will reign with Christ Jesus. Everybody say position. Righteousness is a position. It's not a performance. It is a position. So there's two things that the enemy lies to us about after we get saved. Here's the first thing. The enemy says this. Well, because you messed up, you lost it, and you got to get resaved. Because you did something you thought you'd never do, you stopped going to church, you, you cussed somebody out, you, know, you looked at pornography, you did this horrible thing, so now you have to re-get saved over again. But the same grace that saved you, and you did nothing to earn it, is the same grace that keeps you saved and you did nothing to earn it. That's righteousness. The other lie the enemy tells us is this. You know, I got saved 30 years ago, and so now I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't hang around with the girls that do, I don't stop doing things, I stop doing things that I used to. You know, and so 30 years later, we think this thought. I don't need as much grace today as I did the day I got saved. Man, the day I got saved, I needed an infinity amount of grace. But now, I don't need as much. Okay, that's a lie from the devil as well. The same grace that that horrible person you know that's living a horrible lifestyle, doesn't serve God, a heathen, an atheist, the same grace they need to get saved is the same grace that you need every single day of your life to remain in that place of righteousness. It's not by your works. It is a free Gift. Free, everybody say free gift. free gift. Okay, so whenever we study um, sustaining grace, you know, I want to give you an example. Um, sustain. Sustain, you know, means to, to hold out, to keep on going. Uh, for instance, every piano has a pedal underneath it, and the pedal is actually called the sustain pedal. You don't know that. And so if I were to play a note on here, if I were to go, and I take my finger off, the note stops. What the sustain pedal does is when you press the sustain pedal down, you hold the note. And it's sustain, it keeps on holding the note. How many of y'all never knew that out of curiosity? <laughs> really? None of y'all had piano lessons when you were little. Y'all were out playing football. I was playing piano. And so anyway, um, so that's what a sustain pedal does. It holds it out. I thought that example would be horrible. I thought everybody already knows that. Anyway, so that's what righteousness is. Righteousness is the grace that keeps on going. It sustains you for the rest of your life. It even sustains us in heaven. His grace is even in heaven, and you did nothing to deserve it. So, when we talk about righteousness, the one person in the Bible we have to talk about is Abraham. Okay? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 4. Today's entire sermon is based on Romans 4. Abraham was a heathen before God came to him. A heathen. Um, Abraham was actually a little bit of a heathen after God came to him. After Abraham believed, he slept with his maid. After Abraham believed, 
he lied about his wife being his wife so another man could sexually abuse her. That was after he believed. Imagine what he was like before he believed, okay? He was a heathen among heathen among heathen. I mean, he was straight from Soxty High School. I mean, this guy was a heathen, okay? So Romans 4 is what we're going to study. We're going to look at verses 2 through 4, but we're going to memorize verse 3. Is what we're going to use with every point. So Romans 2, 4, watch this. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. In other words, justified. If he was made right with God, if he was, um, if he was equal to Jesus Christ, being a son of God, if he was equal to Jesus by doing good things, then he could boast about it. He could say, look, I, I did, I, I'm where I'm at because I did this. I made it to heaven because I did this. God loves me because I did this. Now, here, let me tell you that thinking. If you can do something for God to love you more, that means you can do something for God not to love you. If you can do something to get to heaven, that means you can do things to go to hell. And that's not, people don't go to hell for doing bad things, and people don't go to heaven for doing good things. It goes on to say the scripture says Abraham believed God. There's point number three. And it was credited to his account or accounted to him, there's point number two, as righteousness. There's point number one. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as grace, but as debt. Let me explain that last scripture. Here's what that last scripture means is, is if you could do something good to earn God's favor, that means God owes you something. If you can do something good to get to heaven, that means that God would owe you heaven for something you did. And listen real close. God owes no man nothing. He owes, uh, he owes you and me nothing. Nothing, nothing. He created the law of sowing and reaping, and there are consequences for our actions. But if God owed you heaven because you lived your life serving Him, that means that God would be in debt to you. That's what that scripture says. And God is in debt to no man. A debt, like if someone cuts your grass, you owe them $30. You understand? Or whatever you pay for your landscapers, okay? So if you could do something for God to owe you anything, that means he is indebted to a human being. And he will never be in debt to you. In fact, if anything, we owe him everything. Even though Jesus paid for it, we owe him everything. He owes you nothing. Okay? So, we're looking at scripture number three there, verse three, for all of our points. And point number one today is this, righteousness. Righteousness. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness or right standing with God. Um, if I were to say, you know, Billy Graham passed away a, while, a little while ago. But if Billy Graham was still, if I said Billy Graham was a righteous man. He was a righteous guy. I mean, he was just so righteous. What are some assumptions you would have about Billy Graham? You would have these assumptions. You would assume that he went to church. You would assume he gave in the offering. You would assume that he served God, that he loved people, that he forgave quickly. You would assume those things if I said he was righteous. That's what we'd assume, okay? Those assumptions are correct. But here's my question. Was he righteous because he did right things? Or did he do right things because God made him righteous? In other words, did Billy Graham, was he in right standing with God because he did right things? Or did he do right things because God made him righteous through the blood of Jesus? That's the question. That's the difference between grace and works. Um, works is you have to do right to be right with God. That's works, and that's not the way we live, and it doesn't work. <laughs> it works as you have to do right to be right, okay? Grace is this. Because Jesus made you right, you can do right. Do you understand the difference? Um, let me see if I can do something else. Let me see. Uh, what about this? Everything in life 
we see through grace or works. Everything. Everything we view is either I earned it or it was a gift. Um, the way you relate to God is based on if you understand grace or if you're under the law, under works. For instance, if you see God as being good when you do the right thing, but not good when you do the wrong thing, that's works. God is always good. If you think God loves you more because you came to church today, that's works. God loves you because Jesus died for you. Uh, let me give you an example. I have five children, four boys and a girl. Out of my five children, um, the one who makes the most mistakes, the one who serves God the least, do I love that child less than I love my other children? No. And I'm an earthly father. I'm an earthly father. My child that does the most good things and serves God the most, do I love that child more than the rest? No. The one that does the worst and serves the least, is that child less my child? In fact, is that child not my child when that child does the wrong things? Sometimes I that's his mother, that's his mother's son. But anyway, <laughs> but no, still my child, right? Still my child. No matter, my children are still my children, whether they're good, bad, or ugly. And in fact, I can actually be, I can be disappointed in one of my children and love them unconditionally at the exact same time. I can be disappointed in one of my children and they're still my child at the exact same time. Okay? That is righteousness. That is grace. Um, um, grace is, is the reason I am coming to church is because God made me right. The reason I give is because of what Jesus did for me. It's, it's not I'm going to do this to earn it. It's I'm doing this because I've already received grace. Uh, let me say it like this. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, a rich businessman who's in Myrtle Beach, and he traveled to New York City to do a business deal. And at this business deal, now this guy doesn't know the Lord, okay? He's not a Christian. Doesn't know Jesus. He's heard about God through social media. His parents said a few things. But he doesn't think he needs God. doesn't think he needs God. And he's at this business meeting. And this business meeting takes a few hours. And he makes three and a half million dollars. Just like that. Okay? He's, he's so happy. I mean, he is so happy. So he leaves the business meeting. And is on his way back to his hotel. And he sees some kids playing with the ball. And the ball starts to go in the street. So this businessman drops his briefcase and runs out in the street. Scuffs up his shoes. Gets the ball. And brings it back to the kids so they don't run out in the street. Okay? Um, and then he gets his briefcase and he keeps going. He sees a little old lady who's about to cross the road. She's going in the opposite direction as him, but she's carrying groceries, and he's scared the light's going to change on her. So he runs up to her, and he helps her with her groceries, and he helps her get across the street. He's on his way to his hotel, and right outside his hotel, there's a homeless guy laying there begging for change, and this non-believer takes out all the cash he has in his wallet, which is about $1,000, and he puts it inside the homeless guy's cup and says, good luck, man, good luck. And he goes to his hotel room. Okay, listen. Did the righteous deeds, right, righteous means right, R-I-G-H-T, the right deeds that the unrighteous man just did, did those deeds make him now right with God? No. Let me ask this. Ellen DeGeneres, she's done more for, she's given away more to humanity than everybody in this room probably put together. Did God say, you know what, Ellen, because of what you have done, you are now going to go to heaven and spend eternity with me. Is that how it works? Okay, let me, let, me, let me turn it around. There's a Christian guy. He knows he needs God in his life. In fact, he goes to Solid Rock. We'll give him points for that. Okay, a guy here at Solid Rock. 
And he goes to New York for a business meeting, and he loses $3.5 million in this deal. I mean, lose it. He's so upset. He leaves his hotel room, and he sees some kids playing with the ball, and the ball starts to go in the street, and he kicks the ball in the street and just keeps on walking. Then he sees a little old lady out the corner of his eye about to cross the road, and somehow he accidentally bumps into her, and her groceries fall, and he just keeps on walking. He's so upset about losing that money. Then he sees a homeless guy um, laying down on the side of the road outside of his hotel, and he's asking for money. And this guy who knows the Lord, he goes up to the homeless guy, and he kicks him on the side of the leg and says, Get a job, loser. And then he goes up to his hotel room. Okay, this guy doesn't go to Solid Rock. He doesn't go to Solid Rock. This guy goes to the Baptist church down there down the street, okay? And so, <laughs> and so let me ask a question now. Did the unrighteous deeds that the righteous man just did officially make him unrighteous and no longer a child of God because of what he just did? Then why do we live that way? Why do we live based on the things we do, whether we have God's favor in our life? That's righteousness. You are in right. Righteousness is the state or position of being in right standing with God. It is not the performance. Jesus did the performance part. Jesus, you can take it back to the slide before so they can see that. Righteousness is the state or the position of being in right standing with God. It is not based on our performance. I'm not saying God's pleased when we sin. I'm not saying there's not consequences. There's consequences whether you do good and do bad. There's consequences whether you're a Christian or not. But I am righteous because of my position, not based on my performance. Amen? Okay, so number one was righteous. Here's number two. Accounted. Accounted. It says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteous. Accounted. It was put in his account. The word accounted is a, a mathematical term. It means to keep records of debits and credits. Accounting was the class in college that all the geeks took who are now your boss. Okay, that's what accounting is, okay? Uh, it's all the numerical stuff. So I'm, I need to set up three accounts so you can see exactly what took place. So here's what I need from you. I need the name of um, somebody maybe in our church who before they got sinned, they were just a bad guy. I mean, just a loser of a guy, just did a bunch of wrong things. Who's somebody? Just give me some names. Mark. I heard Mark. I heard Mark. I like Mark better. I think Mark. I heard Mark. Okay. Now I need the name of like a famous person who we know loved God and served God their whole life and just a righteous guy, preached the gospel. Billy Graham. Okay, good. Okay. And then I need the name of a perfect person, the person who did everything perfect. Jesus. Okay, so y'all said Mark, Billy Graham, and Jesus, right? Okay, good. You did really good. Okay, so that's how we're going to do it, okay? Okay, so... Unagi. Okay, so, um, so, <laughs> okay, so we need some, we need to have a code. <laughs> we need a code for our, our board here. Okay, um, the code is S equals sin and R equals righteous. Okay, S equals sin, R equals righteous. Now, um, before Mark got saved, I knew this guy. I knew him. I knew him for I've known him for 25, 30 years. Roman was best friend in high school, so we know Mark. So most likely in Mark's life, this is probably what it looks like, right? Mark did a lot of wrong things, especially before he got saved. Especially before he got saved, okay? In fact, all of these S's could represent a different supermodel that he dated in, when he was in his 20s, to be honest with you. So anyway, okay. But now, Mark actually did a few good things. 
Okay, Mark obeyed his parents. He always honored his parents, always obeyed his parents. So we're going to give him an R for that. That was a right deed, a right deed. Mark went to church when he was a kid with his parents, right deed. One time, Mark gave me a five-minute piano lesson after I begged for three weeks. So we will, so we'll give him an R for that. Okay, so he gets points that. In fact, one time I saw Mark being nice to a young lady. That, no, that's an S. Okay, here we go. So anyway, um, <laughs> okay. So Billy Graham's account. Billy Graham got saved when he was a teenager. Okay, uh, he uh, he honored his parents. He believed that he should always obey his authority figures. He preached the gospel his whole life. Every penny he made went to putting back into the kingdom of God. I mean, he lived his life to please. He just loved God, loved God. But Billy Graham was a human. Okay, I've read one time where he he was addicted to coffee at one point in his life, and he just could not stop. And your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So everyone has sinned. Billy Graham went over the speed limit. The Bible says obey the laws of the land. So there are some S's in Billy Graham's account. Correct? Okay. What does Jesus' account look like? That's what his account looks like. Okay? 100% righteous. Did everything right. Never made a single mistake. Um, which one of these, and you don't have to answer out loud, but which one of these do you, um, do you relate to? You know? Which one do you relate to? Do you... I mean... <laughs> You don't have to answer out loud, but if you want to, you can answer for the person next to you. And so, you know, some of, some of you older generational people, older generation people, some of you actually, you, you relate to, it resonates with you, Billy Graham, because you obeyed and you thought this was right and this was right, and that's kind of how you lived your life. So some of you, relate, and most of you probably, because we live in Myrtle Beach, relate to Marx, right? Okay, so here's my question. If there's sin in both accounts... How in the world are we going to get to heaven? Now, I want to show you something, too, real quick. This R in Billy Graham's account, even the R's in Mark's account, they aren't exactly like the R in Jesus' account. In fact, Isaiah 64, 6 says this, We are all unclean and sin-infected, and all our righteousness, all of our best deeds apart from Jesus Christ, are actually just like filthy rags not even a clean rag but a filthy rag all of our you know how people would like to preach who we are in Christ let me show you who you are apart from Christ apart from Christ you're full of sin and filthy rags even the good thing you have to understand even when you do something good is your motive pure did you do it to be seen did you do it to feel good did you do it so someone else would see what you did did you like why did you do it to get something in return even when we do the right thing is our mind even a hundred percent pure like Jesus Christ, no. So when we look into these accounts, how in a million years are we ever going to be able to get to heaven? I mean, there's sin in both accounts. There's rags in both accounts. So I'm going to explain something to you um, that people miss. Okay, this, is a, this is a big point for today. People miss this. How are we going to get to heaven? How are we going to get to heaven? Um, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, God took all of the S's out of our account. Every single S. God took every S out of the world's account. God took every S, and this is going to sting, He took every S out of Adolf Hitler's account. Every murder, every rape, every beating, everything that the whole entire world did wrong 2,000 years ago, Jesus erased all the sin out of the whole world's account. In fact, let me show you John 1.29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away... The sin of the entire world, not just the people that try to be good, not just the Christians, not just the Jews, the whole world, the whole world. 
He took righteousness out of his son's account. And he took every single sin that you've committed and every sin that you're going to commit tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Every single sin was paid for and God put sin in the account of his son. That happened 2,000 years ago. So you say, if that's the case, then how come the whole world doesn't go to heaven? Listen real close. Their sin's been paid for. People don't go to hell for sin. They go to hell for unbelief. If you could go to hell for sin, that means you could go to heaven for doing good. It's the exact opposite. If you can go to, hell, if you can go to heaven for doing good, it means you can go to hell for sin. Nobody is going to hell for sin. Hitler is not in hell for sinning. No, there is no person in hell because of anything they've done wrong. So then how do we get to heaven? Well, here's what. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Christ who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that all of the R that was in His account then gets deposited into our account. When Billy Graham was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, when Abraham was 75 years old, 75 years old, 75. So when did this happen for you? When did the R that was in Christ's account get put in your account? You know, works and, and, and grace is such a very difficult It's difficult to be in relationship with somebody who bases their whole life on their performance. It's difficult to be friends with somebody who you have to do this and this and this just right for them to, for you to have their favor, for you to have their love. In fact, let me do, if, um, just, just for fun, just play with me for fun. Um, if you're sitting next to your spouse or, or boyfriend, girlfriend, or someone you're close to, I want, I want you to just hold their hand just for a second. Just hold their hand. You can be best friends. Just hold hands for a second, okay? If one of your parents always told you right and wrong if one of your parents was always like um um you, it's like you never had their favor unless you did this it's like you never had their love unless you did and if you did wrong boy that you didn't have their love for that time if you had a parent like that just squeeze that person's hand your old hands just squeeze it if you had that parent like that okay now 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 let me ask you another question if you feel like that person that just squeezed your hand, if you feel like that's how they treat you, squeeze their hand back. Okay, now let go of hands. Okay, before we start any fights in church. Okay, so <laughs> here's the point. A lot of you were raised with a works mentality, and so you see God that way, and you treat your spouse or your friends that way as well. They're not your friend unless they do this, 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 and this. You don't have their favor unless they do this. And it's like you're, you're walking on eggshells your whole marriage and your whole life and that's how it was when you were home with your parents. This is a works mentality. Okay, let me ask you this question. Um, if you're here today and you feel like you've had to fight for everything in your life, I mean, you've had to fight for your job and fight for your house and fight for your marriage and fight for your family and everything that you've been blessed with, it's just been a fight. You're in a works mode. I feel like my whole life is a gift from God. I don't deserve this job. I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my kids. I don't deserve my car. I don't deserve my house. I don't deserve my friends. I don't deserve Bob and Cindy being friends with me. I just don't. I don't. It's all a gift. Everything God's done for me is a gift. I don't deserve. If you knew every thought that I've ever thought, 
if you knew every action I've ever taken, if you knew every word I've ever uttered out of my mouth, you would say, John Paul doesn't deserve anything he has. You only see the good up here, you know, from the pulpit. and Oh, good preacher. You don't know every thought that I've ever thought. I don't deserve anything. It's only by the grace of God that I'm even standing here today. That's righteousness. The same grace that saved me is the same grace that sustains me. You know, when you see other people and you think, man, those homosexuals and those, those atheists and those, they're doing this wrong and I can't believe they vote that way and I can't believe they act that way. I can't believe they post that. What's wrong with them? The same grace that that person needs to get saved is the same exact amount of grace you need today to stay saved. And they don't do anything to earn it. They receive it. And you don't do anything to do, earn it. You have to receive it. It's, it's, that's righteousness. That's righteousness. The exact same grace they need. The exact same. Not any more do you need. Do they need the same grace they need is the same grace you still need today. How dare we think that we have accomplished something on our own. How dare we think we've earned the things we have in our life. We've earned nothing. We did nothing to be able to be born in America. You do not deserve to even be in this country. It's all by the grace of God that we're here. Amen. Number three. <laughs> I could end on two, but number three. Number three is believed. Believed. Romans 4.3, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. This is easy closing. Um, if you go to Coastal Grand Mall today, and we interview about a hundred people and we say to them what does somebody have to do to go to heaven there's two different answers we'll get one answer is that you have to try to be a good person you have to try to do some right things and be good and then God will let you go into heaven another answer we get is this when you get to the end of your life God's gonna look in your account and if you have more good then bad, you get to go to heaven. Okay? Neither one of those two answers are correct. And let me tell you why. God's standard is not good. Please understand it. God's standard is not good. His standard is perfect. Do not think that this God that created the universe, that knows all, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, knows all, powerful, all powerful. Do not think that his standard is good. His standard is perfect. In fact, if you think of the worst person who's ever lived, probably Hitler, you think that this person has broken every single law, every commandment in the whole Bible, all 10, all 613, every New Testament command, every commandment in the Bible. Think about that person right now, okay? The Bible says in James 2.10, the person who keeps every single law of God but makes one little slip is just as guilty as the person who has broken every single law that there is. How many of you have broken one little slip of a law in your life? Y'all have all broken that today. Betty, you did just about five minutes ago, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So if that's the case, if we are just as guilty as the worst person on earth, how are we going to heaven? You believe. Abraham, believe. John 3.16, believe. Romans 10.9, believe. Um, John 6.28, they asked Jesus, 
What must we do to do the works, plural, God requires? Jesus said the work, singular, of God is this, that you believe in the one who he sent. Now, I want to just explain something. Do you know at the end of this sermon when I give you a chance to make Jesus the Lord of your life so you can be righteous, whenever you raise your hand, that's not when you got saved. When you walk to the altar, that's not when you got saved. When you say the prayer that the Bible says to pray in Romans 10, 9, that's not when you got saved. Do you know when you receive grace, the millisecond that you had the thought, I need God, and your hand went up, it was before your hand even did this, you were already saved. It's not by work. You can't do anything. So you say, well, why do we lift our hand? Why do we come forward? Because that tells you you're saved. Because you got to tell yourself, only a person already receiving the grace of God would even do that. Only a person that's not ashamed of Jesus would come down front. This is to tell the world that you're saved. But you, even doing this doesn't get you saved. If doing this gets you saved, again, that would mean you could do something. You can't do anything. It is a gift for you to receive. So how did Abraham go to heaven? The Bible says he believed and it was accounted to him righteousness. Okay. So in Genesis 11, Abraham's a heathen. I mean, a heathen, 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 heathen. Just a horrible guy. He heard tidbits about God here and there. And God said, Abraham, I want to meet with you. God just called him out. Remember, Abraham's grandson was Israel. So there was no Jews yet. There was no Israel. This is 500 years before Moses and the Ten Commandments. Um, uh, Abraham's uh, son was Isaac. And then grandson was Jacob. And they changed the name to Israel. So the nation of Israel comes out of Abraham's grandson. Okay, So right now, Abraham's a heathen, doing wrong. And God says, I want to meet with you. How would you feel if God said, I want to meet with you today at 6 o'clock down by the beach? How would you feel? Because you're in church, you say, I'd be so happy. You're a liar. You would be so nervous. You'd be checking your pacemaker. You'd be looking at your wallet, watch. and you'd, be, you'd probably be at the beach three hours early just to make sure you're there on time. And as the second hands go, your heart's beating faster and faster. What does God want to talk to me about? What does God want to talk to me about? Does he, oh, okay, I'm God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. All my sins. Please forgive me. All my sins. Please, God. I'm going to church next Sunday. I'm going to take notes. I'm not going to fall asleep while the preacher's preaching. I promise. All these promises because God's going to meet with you. So God says, I want to meet with you, Abraham. In Genesis 12, here's what God said. Hey, Abraham, I want to make you a great nation. I want to bless you. I want to make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. All people will be blessed through you. Bless, 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 bless. And Abraham believed that God loved him. And righteousness was put into his account. Just like that. There are actions that came afterwards because when you believe something in your heart, you act on it. I mean, if you believe that when you touch the hot stove, you're going to be burned, you don't touch the hot stove. So when you believe, action, James 2 says that Abraham put action. When God said move, Abraham moved. It was after he received grace for free. After Abraham believed and God gave him righteousness, then Abraham was, you know, he still made a lot of mistakes. I mean, a lot of mistakes, but that's what caused him to obey. If God asked to meet with you today, He's going to say, listen, I know what you've heard about me growing up. I know what the religions told you about me. I know what you see on social media. But listen real close. I did not come to condemn you. John 3.17 is even better than John 3.16. It says, God did not, did not, did not, did not send His Son into the world 
to condemn the world. He did not. He did not. God did not put that on Facebook to condemn those people. God did not want us to witness to these people so we could condemn them. God did not want us to call up this friend to condemn them. God did not put me in the pulpit to condemn these people. God did not, did not, did not send his son to condemn the world. Did not, did not, did not. He sent his son so the world could be saved through him. 